Lord made a way. How many of you know it was the Lord that made the way? It wasn't your intellect. It wasn't your good looks. It wasn't your connections, your network. But it was God that made the way. See, anybody that can say, I am the way. Not a way, but the way. See, that's a definite article. It speaks of a specific way. It's the only way. And I know him as the way maker. Don't you ever think for one moment that it was you that got you that job. Or that it was you that got you that promotion. To Jesus be the glory. My goodness, I'm trying to get started, but man, when you get to talking about Jesus, the atmosphere ought to change. We just sung about freedom too. I don't know about you, but I used to be bound by some stuff. Hit rock bottom. Was blaming God for what was going on in my life. And in my mother's living room, my mom said, God isn't doing anything to you. You allowing the devil to use you to defeat you. She said, if you ask God to take that desire at your heart and a taste out your mouth, he'll do it. And guess what? June will be 24 years. He made a way. It wasn't because of me. He made a way. And he can make a way for you. It's okay if you want to pray. opportunity lightly because he doesn't just bring anybody to stand in this place because he's responsible for the sheep. He's the under shepherd. 
And so I thank him for the opportunity to the other ministers that are in the house. Deacons, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Let's make a confession of faith. This is something that we do at Greater New Zion. And so we want to do that before we get into the word. If you would, lift your Bibles up. Repeat these words after me. This is my Bible. The book of my life. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the indestructible, incorruptible, life-giving, life-changing, mountain-moving, devil-chasing, word of God. I boldly confess my mind is open. My eyes are open. My ears are open. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles if you have them to Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. And we'll be looking at verses 17 through 21. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. When you get there, can you signify it by saying amen? And I'll be reading from the King James Version of the Bible. Verse number 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And I want to call your attention back to verse number 18 because that's where the subject comes from. Verse number 18 and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And briefly, as the Lord allows, we're going to share from this thought, living the Spirit-filled life. Living the Spirit-filled life. How many of you know that there's a lot of flesh in the church today. And I'm not just talking about your physical body. You know, our body is made of flesh, flesh and bones. I'm not talking about your physical body because if you do not have a body, then you're here illegally. You're an alien. You got to have a body to be on this planet. When Adam was in the garden, he was in a physical body when he sinned. Well, guess what? The last Adam, Jesus Christ, had to be in a physical body to deal with sin. You need a scripture, huh? Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. 
Watch this. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. In other words, we couldn't keep it. God sending his own son in the likeness of sin and for sinful flesh condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so Jesus had to be in a body to make our redemption legal. But I'm not talking about your physical body this morning. I'm talking about that part of you that has a propensity to do that which is wrong, to do that which is evil. And you don't believe that flesh is in the church? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Whenever I stand up here, I study and prepare myself, but ultimately it's about letting the Lord have his way. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know what he's going to do, but my expectancy is always great. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse number 1. Now, this church was one of the most gifted churches in the scripture. The most gifted. Look at what Paul says. He's the writer. He says, and I, brethren. So you know if he calls them brethren, he has to be talking about believers. Matter of fact, go to, hold your spot there and go to chapter one. Is it okay if I just teach? I know Pastor Adams is a teacher. And sometimes when I'm listening at the broadcast, I hear him say, are y'all tracking with me? Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Okay. Look at chapter one, verse number one. It says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. That's all I need. He says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. So he's writing to a local church at Corinth. Those that have been called out of darkness and brought into his marvelous light. He's writing to believers. So let's go to chapter three, verse one, and read that with this understanding. So he says, and I, brethren, or you can say church of God, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. He says, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. He said, for I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. He says, for you are yet carnal. And you know what that word carnal means? Fleshy. Here it is. I want to get to the meat of the word, and I can't get to the meat because of your flesh. Let me show you what they were doing. Go to chapter 1 and look at verse number 10. See, sometimes in church, people have favorites. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's not like that at EBC or maybe, you know, not at Greater New Zion, but it's some places 
where people have favorites. You know, when some ministers come up, they'll skip church. They say, that's not my cup of tea. I don't want that one. Watch this. Look look at verse number 10. He says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that you be not, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, divisions here is schisms. If you got a Bible with a center column reference, it's schisms. And it's a division among members of a group that occurs because they disagree on something. And so these people, in the next verse 11, Paul says, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. He said, Now this I say, that every one of you that saith, I am of Paul. Can you say Paul? And I of Apollos. Can you say Apollos? And I of Cephas. Can you say Cephas? And I of Christ. Can you say Christ? He said, is Christ divided? Say no. Was Paul crucified for you? Say no. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Say no. So they had division in the church. But this church was the most gifted in Scripture but they were caught up in personalities. Go to chapter 3 again. So again, in verse number 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. See, what happens when a person is not saved They are a sinner. And when the gospel is preached, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that's where the power of God is unto salvation. My opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion does not matter. It's the gospel where the power is. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. And if the gospel is not bloody and the truth is not naked, there won't be any salvation. So Jesus died for the sins of the world. And when a person believes the gospel, what happens is they become regenerated. God communicates his very life into their human spirit. They have eternal life, the God kind of life, Zoe. And so when this person is saved, they're just like a newborn baby. Just like our sister out there holding the baby. When a baby comes out the womb, that baby can't do for itself. Can't, you know, fix the baby food. Can't fix the bottle. But somebody has to do it for the child. But eventually the child gets to a point where uh, he or she will start holding their own bottle. They'll start sitting up. They'll get to the point where they start crawling and eventually walking and running. 
So Paul says, I couldn't even deal with you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. He says, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for you were not able to bear it, neither now are you yet able. Verse number three, for you are carnal, for whereas there's among you envy, you know you got that in the church. He says, and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? And so that's what the Lord put on my heart to share with you is living the spirit-filled life. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to say it again because I want it to get deep down in your spirit. Living the spirit-filled life. Now that we have life, we're born again. How do we live it? God says spirit-filled. And we're going to get into it, and I'm going to apologize up front because chances are I'm not going to get to every verse in the text. I'm going to apologize up front. But I believe the Lord is going to say what he wants to say. And if your heart is open to receive, he's going to speak to you today. His best is for his children to be spirit-filled. Do you realize that spirit-filled affects your worship? Jesus said God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. So if you're not spirit-filled, it affects your worship. It also affects your witness. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. It affects your witness. If we're going to get into it, it even affects your walk. And so a lot of people, when they look at spirit-filled living, they think that it's about their tongue. You do know that it's God's will for you to speak in other tongues, right? I know this is a spirit-filled church, is it not? I know that Pastor Anderson, I mean, Pastor Adams teaches the whole counsel of God. But I'm going to show you today that it's more to it than your tongue. Because you can speak in other tongues today and go to work tomorrow and not even speak to folks. You can speak in tongues today and your husband get on your nerves and you cussing tomorrow. I better leave that one alone. So God's will is for us to be filled. Look at verse number 17. 
It says, wherefore, be ye not unwise. So the flip side of that is God wants us to be wise. Can you see that? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So God wants us wise. So he says, wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And let me say this, God's will is multifaceted. You know, God is not willing that any should perish, but all will come to repentance. His will is multifaceted. But in this instance, he says, understanding what the will of the Lord is. What is it? Well, the previous verse talks about redeeming the time for the days are evil. In other words, taking advantage of opportunities that are presented when you can share the gospel to affect somebody's life. Now, the verse under that is where our subject comes from. He says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So Paul is the writer here, and this is one of his prison epistles. He wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Those are the four prison epistles that he wrote. So he's writing and he's making a contrast between wine and the Holy Spirit. Not a comparison, but a contrast. And he says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And in both of these instances, these are what's called present imperatives. It's a command to do something in the future and involves continuous and repeated action. In other words, he says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. It's like, don't be drunk today. Don't be drunk tomorrow. Don't be drunk next week. Be filled today, be filled tomorrow, be filled next week. Can y'all see that? And I got to park here just for a minute to deal with this wine. Because there's some folk think that it's okay for me to have a sip. There's some folks that think it's okay for me to have a sip. You know, Jesus turned water into wine is what they say. They said, you know, Paul said, little wine for the stomach's sake. People think it's okay. (laughs) And I can remember years ago, Let's see, I can remember, I'm going to date myself here, MD 2020. I think they call it Mad Dog. Gin and Juice. E&J. Y'all help me out. Don't leave me like John on an aisle called Patmos by myself. It was a bunch, wasn't it?
Do me a favor and go to Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 1. Proverbs 20, verse 1. Verse number one says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Now, didn't Paul say, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is? And he says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Here he says, the writer of uh, Proverbs, he said, wine is a mocker. In other words, wine will have you out there bad. It'll make a fool out of you. He says, and strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. The mere fact that this verse has deception in it ought to tell you that it's not the will of God for you to drink. And even preparing for this, I looked around to see what other theologians had to say about alcohol. And you'd be surprised there are so many that say it's okay for you to drink. It's just a sin for you to get drunk. How many sisters in here done baked some biscuits before? I know my Aunt Brenda baked biscuits, but you didn't bake biscuits before, right? You ever heard of a thing called yeast? How much yeast does it take to affect the whole lung? Huh? A little bit. So the Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lung. Go back to Ephesians. I do not want to spend all my time up here dealing with this wine. There's what's called in the Bible, the law of, it's not necessarily in the Bible, but when we study, it's called the law of first mention. And the ministers know what I'm talking about. The very way you see something presented the first time, generally you can follow that throughout the scripture. Well, the first mention of wine is in Genesis chapter 9. And it's associated with Noah. And Noah got drunk. He was naked in the tent. And got an attitude because Ham saw him naked. But the first mention has a negative connotation to it. So I'm not going to, let me get past this wine. So he says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So what Paul is saying is the same way that wine has a controlling influence on the person that consumes it, the Spirit of God should have a controlling influence on the person that he consumes. See, the thing about the wine, it works from the outside in. But with the Spirit of God, he works from the inside out. So God's will is for us to be filled. Let me read this verse again. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, 
but be filled with the Spirit. And so do me a favor and go to Mark chapter 16 because I need to deal with this. Mark 16, because there are a lot of people that associate being filled with just your tongue. And we're going to deal with that. Mark 16, look at verse number 15. Is everybody there? Verse number 15. And he said unto them, this Jesus talking, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Let me park that just for a minute. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. There are people that teach what's called baptismal regeneration. In other words, they say that baptism is essential to salvation, and that's not Bible. It's your belief and your belief only that equates to salvation. We follow the Lord in water baptism because we are saved. We don't have to be baptized to be saved. Jesus allowed his cousin John to baptize him in the Jordan River. So when you and I are baptized, it's an identification with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So he says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. He said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, is what Jesus says, shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. And that's all I need. They shall speak with new tongues. And when, when the charismatic movement happened, they went off the deep end with the tongues. And they said that if you don't speak in other tongues, then you're not saved. And I remember doubting my salvation because I didn't speak in other tongues. I do now, but back then I started to doubt my salvation. And some of you in here today may have never spoke. But let me tell you something. Just because you've never spoke, it don't mean that you're not saved. Because that has nothing to do with your salvation. It's your belief. But it is the will of God for you to speak. All can speak, but not all speak. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Y'all keeping up with me back there? You trekking? Okay. 1 Corinthians 13. I had to mess with Pastor Adams. If he gets a chance to watch this, I'm sure he's going to get a chuckle. Chapter 13, let's deal with these tongues. Matter of fact, look at verse number, chapter 12, um, verse number 27, and we'll work our way up to 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 27. It says, now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. So he's talking about the church. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, 
their gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Say no. Are all prophets? Say no. I know y'all can talk louder than that. When y'all was in the club, did you get louder than you just got? I'm just messing with you. So, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? So then he says, but, and but means forget about what I just said. I'm getting ready to say something else. He says, but covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Look at verse number one of chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love in action, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So in other words, he says, if you don't have love, then you're just making some noise. You're just making noise. The spirit-filled life is more than your tongue. It's not even about your tongue. It's not about your talk. It's about your walk. In the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, he's dealing with our position. But chapters 4, 5, and 6, he's dealing with our practice. Our walk. Do me a favor and go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse number 1. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. So he said, you walk worthy. Look at verse number seventeen. He says, This I say therefore in testifying the Lord that you thenceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Look at chapter 5, verse number 2. It says, and walk in love. So can you see that he's dealing with our walk? So back over to um, chapter 5. Verse number 18 it says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. So that's what the Lord wanted me to share with you today. I'm not done now. I'm just telling you what he wanted me to, to say. <laughs> no, I'm not done. 
but he wants me to talk to you and talk to me and talk to us about living the spirit-filled life. Because can I tell you something? At all times, you and I are either in the flesh or in the spirit. In the flesh or in the spirit at all times. And God's will is for us to live spirit-filled. See, go to chapter 1. I need to do this. Look at verse number 12 of Ephesians chapter 1. It says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Verse 13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So when we got saved, Holy Spirit took up residence in our human spirit. He indwells us. But it's a difference between the indwelling and the infilling. It's a difference. See, when you got saved, you got all the Holy Ghost you were going to get. All of him. He didn't come in parts like uh, we go to Napa or AutoZone or one of those places. You didn't get him in parts. You got all of him when you got saved. But the question is, does he have all of you? See, that's what spirit-filled living is about. Does he have all of you? It's about being Christ-like. That's the ultimate goal of us coming to church is to be conformed into the image of Christ, to be more like Jesus. I think Pastor Adams talks a lot about discipleship. Doesn't he talk about it? Well, this is associated with discipleship. This is about growth and maturity. And the thing is, God is not looking for perfection from us because he knows we cannot give him perfection. But he is looking for growth and he's looking for development. He wants maturity in his children. Do me a favor and go to Galatians chapter 5. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Are you being helped? It's helping me. Even as I share, the word cuts both ways. Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse number 16. Same writer, Paul. He says, this I say then, walk in the spirit, and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says, walk in the spirit, 
and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So you got spirit and flesh, and it's that simple. There is no in-between. It's either spirit or it's flesh. He says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you could not do the things that you would. Go to Romans real quick, chapter 7. I don't want you to take uh, my word for it. Let me, let me share this brother with you. Romans chapter 7, verse number 15. And tell me, have you ever been in this position before? Verse number 15. For that which I do, I allow not or understand not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. He says, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. He said, now then it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now he didn't say that he dwelt in sin, but sin that dwelleth in me. Go back to Galatians 5. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I used to read that verse when I was a young Christian and say when I look in the mirror, I still look the same. I still deal with some of the same thoughts. I still have some of the same desires. And I didn't realize that all things becoming new was everything that I was in the first man, Adam, became new. Because now that I'm in Christ, all that is new. And as a Christian, you can never be who you used to be. Never. But you can still do what you used to do. If I wanted to, I could cuss right now. I hadn't forgot. I know the three-letter words, the four-letter words, the compound words. I still know how to cuss, but I choose not to. But I can still do it. And some of you, you still do the same thing too, not necessarily the cussing, but some other stuff, but you just can't do it no more. I'm a, you'll get it when you go home. So there's a war going on between our spirit and our flesh. That old Adamic nature and the nature of God. It's a war going on. And isn't it ironic that in Genesis chapter 2, God tells Adam, of every tree of the garden, you can freely eat. 
He said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat for in the day you do, you shall surely die. You go to chapter three, guess what? He ate. His wife, it says when she saw that the tree was good for food, that's where the flesh came in right there. And you and I have been dealing with the flesh ever since. You can sit in here and act like you don't deal with it, but I know you do. Because I deal with it. Somebody can just pull over and cut you off in traffic and you just get on the horn. That's flesh. You can be in the, the line waiting to pay for something. Ed, uh, I don't even want to talk about Brooks's because they too doggone expensive. But at Walmart, and somebody got all these coupons, and you sitting up saying stuff in your mind that you won't say out your mouth. Flesh. We deal with it. But you don't have to allow your flesh to dominate you. God's best is for you to live the spirit-filled life. And and, and we're going to talk about it here in a second. So verse number 18, it says, But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. So he says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, or the sin nature. He's not talking about your physical body. He's talking about the sin nature. He said adultery, fornication, adultery. You marry. You got the rib that was taken from your side. But you got a spare rib too. He says fornication. You're not even legal in living together, doing what married folks do. You having sex. That's flesh. And I don't have time to deal with all of them because I want to get down here to this verse number 22. He says uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, sometimes that happens in marriages. Witchcraft. Wife play the witch. Husband play the wizard. You say how? He see you done went crazy with the checkbook. And he pulls back the reins. And you say, I'm not going to. Give him none tonight. I'm not even going to cook nothing. He better get takeout. That's flesh. 
let me hurry up, y'all. I wish I could stay here for a minute. So he says, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of which I tell you before as I've told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But, what did I say but mean? Forget about what I just said. I'm getting ready to say something else. Listen at this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now, it talked about works of the flesh, plural, but when it talks about fruit of the Spirit, it's singular. It's not fruits, it's fruit. See, when you got Holy Ghost, you got these nine on the inside of you. It's on the inside. He says love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such, there is no law or no limit. You can have as much love as you want to have. Go to Matthew real quick, chapter 5. This is our last scripture because, boy, that clock knows it's running. <laughs> have I been up here 45 minutes? Goodness. Matthew chapter 5, we're just going to have to deal with one fruit. Let me get to Matthew chapter 5. The clock got me all turned around. (laughs) Y'all sure y'all didn't speed that clock up on me. So, So Matthew 5, look at verse number 43. It says, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, We just sang the song, Waymaker, didn't we? Mm-hmm. We just talked about freedom, didn't we? We just magnified Jesus, didn't we? You know, the same way that you can, oh, my goodness, Lord, mm, I'm going to have to say it, though. You can sing a lie. You can sing a lie. And so, this is what I want to know this morning. How many of you really desire to be more like Jesus? Raise your hand. It ought to be everybody in the room. Well, the way you become more like Jesus is you got to allow the Holy Ghost to have his way. So last verse, I'm going to get out your head. Jesus says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. See, that spirit-filled living is walking it out. Not just talking, but walking. He says, love your enemies. Is that hard to do? In the flesh, yes, it's hard to do. Because in your flesh, you want to put some hands on them. I want to put some hands on them. 
But when I realized it was painful to my flesh, it's pleasing to my God, I can't help but to love them. Especially when I know John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you've received that love, how dare you turn around and not give it? Parents giving up on children because they don't do what you think they should do. And you say, I'm done with them. I quit. I give up. God didn't give up on you. So this is what spirit-filled living is about. It's about them nine fruit. It's about the love, the joy, the peace, and so on and so forth. Long-suffering. It's being able to endure when you go through trials. No matter what you go through, it pales in comparison to Jesus. Let me take my seat. It's so much. It's a lot in here, y'all. A lot. But I'm, I'm a, the baby even said it's a lot. Thank you. So I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to be obedient. You know, I'm not going to go past my, I mean, I'm past my time, but I'm going to stop now. So, let me get everybody to stand. I have no doubt in my heart that the Lord has spoke to you if your heart was open and your mind was receptive. And if it's your desire to be filled, I need you to come to the altar. Keep in mind, we're not talking about your tongues per se. Now, that is one of the evidences of being spirit-filled, but it's not the only evidence. If your flesh has been wearing you out, you know that you hadn't lived the spirit-filled life, and you want God to fill you. You want God to allow those fruit that's on the inside of you to come out. I need you to start walking while I'm talking. That's the first uh, invitation. If you got it all together, then praise be to God. But you know what? I know you don't have it all together. Just stand right here. We want